Hey, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I am one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We've got DJ Never here. Yo, what up? We got DJ D Miles. Yo, what's good? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah, what up? And, and today we got a special, special, special guest. I've been wanting him on the podcast for a minute. I've known this dude for, I don't know, like 15 plus years, maybe. Yeah. I've known him from, from New York. We, we spun... Uh, the same club together and we even spun some of the same clubs in vegas he's done so many a-list celebrity events you know he's spun for obama diddy naomi campbell uh, like vogue magazine new york times governor's ball academy awards the oscars everything you name it he's been in like commercials bud light doritos gillette he's this dude is a monster you know what i'm saying and i'm glad we have him on and he's also married to one of the illest DJs, uh, DJ Kiss. We have DJ MOS in the building. MOS, Yo. what's good? What up, what up, what up? What's good, man? Chilling, chilling, man, chilling. Glad to be here. Yeah, I haven't, uh, you know, last, last time I saw you was, uh, I guess, the Scam Artist Christmas Party. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, you, yeah. you you and I have a, a history together, man. I've known you for a minute in New York, man. Yeah, yeah, for a long time. For we, a long um, time. We think we met, we met before PM, but then I remember you were a DJ at PM. See, like, I, yeah. so I remember you, I heard you for the first time at Joe's Pub. <laughs> oh, word, shit. That was you were DJing time, for bro. Joe's Pub, and and the, the and your name was going around. It was like, early on, everyone was like, MOS, MOS. So I was like, oh, let me go check him out. But early on, everyone was like, yo, MOS, he's like this DJ. He does like a lot of Mark Ronson mixes and stuff. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I used to go, so that's I went great, to. That's a gr- <laughs> So, so when I went to go check you, I was like, "No, he, that motherfucker's good, man." Like, I, I used to follow Mark. I used to, um, I used to enter at Electra. So yeah, when I started, one of my boys who lived around, the, grew up around the corner from me, he ended up being the head of uh, rap promotions at Electra CL Coral Llewellyn. So um, yeah, I went to went to school with him and everything, and he uh, so yeah, he hired me as an intern, and Mark Ronson was signed to the label for his first album. Mm. So like, I had to like promote it. So I had to follow Mark around, and I was just starting out as a DJ. Um, so I used to go to like Mark Ronson parties a lot and like he was kind of like okay I want to do this yeah you know he, I mean dude he was a major influence in the New York nightlife scene at Hell that yeah. time man like he, he was He's, doing and so you was actually like what you would like like his roadie or something like you was like a no 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 so I was like basically whatever whatever um, the label was putting out like at the time was like fabulous Missy but Mark was kind of like the new like this new artist coming out with this album but it was like he's like the hot, you know, DJ in the city. So like, yeah. I love DJing. So I used to just go to his parties all the time. This was like the Ooh Wee album, right? The Ooh. This is Ooh Wee album, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. What well, year was that? Like oh three oh four? That's like oh yeah, about oh three oh four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were running yeah. that. We were running that song heavy in New York. Oh my yeah. god, it was yeah. crazy. Like I remember the version before they put Nate Dogg on it. I feel like that's a song that never really hit, but like DJs, we just played it anyway. Like no matter what, it yeah. just, it's like we just gave it so much love. But, but the issue was that the issue at the time for me was like I felt like they didn't promote it the right way. I felt like you know Electra was kind of struggling as a label at that time. Mm. But like they forced Missy to put out that album under construction. Um, Fab's second, Fab second album was kind of I. Little Mo had already, you know, I think she, her album had already come out. So that at this point, so Mark was like, I don't really feel like they put money behind it because I remember at the time, like Samantha Ronson was signed to, to rock music, which is like Rockefeller's kind of rock and roll imprint. And she had like a behind the music on MTV and all this. And I was kind of saying to them, like, how does Samantha Ronson have, behind, I mean, no disrespect to Samantha, but like, how does she have a behind the music? 
And Mark, who's like the guy in New York, doesn't have like a behind the music. Like I feel like they're putting money behind her project mm-hmm. as opposed to to Mark. See you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They put out a series of mixtapes with like AM and Mark did like the Hollaback series just to promote Samantha's project. Like for Mark, they didn't really do anything like that. Did that song even hit the West Coast like that? Really or not really? Like oh we it was it was getting played. Ooh, it, was big. it was getting I used played to play play it at the clubs. It was kind of big, but it we was got kinda, no radio, no radio love though. It was no always like love. a it was like an eleven fifteen eleven thirty record, right? It was yeah. never it was never like a like a like a it was tw- never prime time. It was never like a twelve thirty record, right? The fact uh, that Nate Dog was on it made it a little West Coast friendly. Yeah, that mm. I was gonna say that. I was yeah. gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah on the radio, it got no love on the radio. Not even on the mix shows. It was weird. That was a crazy yeah, time. A record in the club. That was the time. That was definitely the Christian. You know what? That was a fashion week record. I remember now. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it was. Remember, like, <laughs> yo, it's been That's so long. Yo, I haven't said "That's a fashion week record" in a long time because there were what certain. Is it, re- <laughs> okay, okay. So, in New York, there would be so New York Fashion Week is kind of dead now, right? Like it's been dead. It's been dying for the past five to ten years eight years mm-hmm. new york fashion week it's just really bad now i don't know how it is now i don't live in new york but in the like 90s and 2000s it was it, a big deal it, it just erupted it was, the city it was, it was like yeah and like if you were a certain if you were like a certain caliber of dj you were definitely doing a fashion week you were doing like at least two events for fashion week that was when you got paid. You just got like two G's or five G's for like events. Like some dudes who had the right contacts. Uh, like I feel like you're, you're signed to DGI, right? Yeah. So like a lot of DGI like DJs, they yeah. like they did a ton of Fashion Week shit. So they do like they do a day event, they do a night event. So you do like for the whole week, you'd be like working two times a day, and you probably walk away with like twenty G's to thirty G's in that week. From just like private events, it was like nuts. Yeah, but that there was certain, was. yeah. So there were certain records that were so local in New York, but they were like Fashion Week records. But they just they were just they were really dope during that. It was like the song, like Theophilus, like Theophilus <laughs> London, <laughs> Trackademics. It was like, like the, there was just certain songs that was just like, oh man, that was the shit during Fashion Week. Like that was a Fashion Week record. Like Uwe was like one of those, like Mark Ronson was tapped in to the whole fashion, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the industry. So like that was getting exactly. played at every party. Like mo- every Fashion Week party was like, ooh. Or if you played like, Butter on Monday nights or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like certain records. It's probably, in, oh man, I'm trying to think of another record. That was, actually, he, another he, one was um, Fly, the shit with um, Nikki Acosta that he produced. Oh, Nikki Acosta, yeah. yes, yes. Nikki Acosta, what's it called? Uh, like a Feather? Like, like a, a Feather, feather. Yeah, That was a big yeah, yeah. fashion week record. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway, he, won a, he won a Grammy for that, though. Did he? I think he, yeah, I think he won a Grammy. He won a, Nikki Acosta won a Grammy for that record. Wow, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. she won a Grammy for that record. Yeah. So MOS mentioned Kid Sister. That was another one that never really translated on the West Coast, but I I used to love Kid Sister, bro. Yeah, I thought that was big on the West Coast, Kid Sister, no? I thought Pro Pro Nails kind of hit for a minute, but it was it was like more of a Vegas thing. It never really touched LA. Maybe Jamie knows a little bit better. The damn damn girl record didn't didn't pop off from the West Coast. Nah. I feel like all all those electro records came from the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, The fact that the fact that Kanye jumped on was dope, and I feel like that's the reason why I started to hit a little bit nationally. But other than that, other than pro nails, nothing really. I feel like yeah. that was only an LA record. Like, really? That, yeah, with that, like that whole Crayshawn era. 
Like yeah. all that shit that was popping yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That he, weird alternative uh, music. Yeah, but there was all those. Out. There was a, like the Asher Roth, like all those like kind of. Yeah, they were, like these it was LA, um, They're like yeah. these hipster alternative hip hop shits, right? <laughs> yeah. Like the Mickey I mean, Avalon. Like Swayze. Yeah, yeah, Mickey Avalon, right? Yeah, like Mickey Avalon. That downtown, though. Downtown New York, like, people were fucking with that. Like, I remember, because uh, Scooter was in New York at the time, and, like, he used to bring Asher through, like, to the Eldridge with Matt Levine and all those kind of spots he'd play like that kind of shit, you know? By the, by the way, when he says Scooter, he's talking about Justin Bieber's manager, not DJ Scooter that we know. Oh, Scooter Braun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he, was a, he was a promoter in New York, yeah. And <laughs> you just... Yeah. <laughs> Scooter was Asher Roth's uh, manager yep. as well. Yeah, he was, he was managing Asher, and I think he beat him at the same time. MOS, yeah. MOS, are you that Hollywood that you think we know Scooter or Scooter Braun? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have to say yeah. the full name for us. Okay, I will, I will. All right? You Hollywood ass. <laughs> like, like, hey, you remember Scooter back in, back in the days? The promoter. Scooter, I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't, it was, I, I never even yeah. knew that. Wait, wait. This is a promoter back in the day. But what era was he in? Was he a promoter in New York? Um, I don't remember what parties he did, or but I know he was a promoter back in the day, like around that time. Because you know, like uh, when I left New York in 2005, end of 2005, I missed. Oh, yeah, you left in 2005 too. Yeah, I so I missed the whole. Uh, yeah. Two, I so like. I even wrote down the era that I missed. All right, so I missed the the pub the publicist era. Remember oh, when geez. every. Remember when every New York DJ had a publicist? Mm-hmm. When because they wanted to get a mention the Page Six era when DJs wanted it was such a waste of money. So then, <laughs> so wait, so, it was a waste of money ever. Let me explain this for a little bit. Like there was a certain era. I think it was the mid two thousands up, right? Where every yeah. DJ. So this is before social media had like taken over and people were going viral on Instagram and Twitter and all that shit, but mostly Instagram. So in order for a DJ to get to like kind of pop, they needed press. They needed yeah. like a mention in page six in the New York Post, or they needed mm-hmm. like People Magazine. And then DJ yeah. AM kind of planted that seed for like DJs and People Magazine and all of this shit. Yeah. So then DJs in New York started putting these $5,000 retainers maybe for like publicists to get like a certain amount of mentions and publications a month. So it was like- Yeah, a, it was like a minimum like 2,500 if you wanted to get something. Yeah, yeah. Like- I mean, look, it definitely did work. I think that a lot of a lot of times, like, because most of those clubs would have mentions. That's that's the that was the issue. The issue was that like, you DJ like Ten June or Marquee, and you know such and such would happen or whatever, and get mentioned in page six, but they would never mention the DJs. You know what I'm saying? So that you're like, how do I get mentioned? Well, I need a publicist to reach out to page six. Like, I don't know anybody over there. So yeah. you pay this high ass fee to get it get mentions, but hopefully you're DJing enough parties that month. Or whatever, where you can get some mentions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there'd be like Leonardo DiCaprio was seen with certain supermodel uh, and stumble yeah. outside, and DJ MOS or like so and so was DJing blase blah, blah. Or like I think Stereo was popping at the time, so they talk about Stereo yeah. too. So it was like, yeah. and then there was the DJ AM clone era, right? Where everyone tried to sound like DJ AM, and I missed that era. Yeah. That was like the that was the whole 2006 uh-huh. to like what 2012. Yeah. That was the time. That's the around the time like things started happening for me when I started playing stereo. That a, a whole AM wave, yeah, began. It was it was crazy. It was crazy. It was good for a lot of people. It was good, but um, yeah, that was definitely was a was a was a was an era. So you know what I'm saying? The the club that me and D, uh, me and MOS used to DJ at together, he'd be there on Fridays and I'd be there on Saturdays, and it was called Club PM. 
Yeah. And it was it was the the front for that was Unique and Kiki. And they were like the supermodel fashion week promoters at the time. These Haitian yeah. brothers. Were they brothers? Yeah, it was only like like it was like it was like the hot one of the hottest clubs in the city, but it was also owned by like like three Haitian dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. three black dudes, you know, so which you, which was I, mean, I don't think we've ever seen since. No. Nah. Or before, you know what I'm saying? But they they had like Serafina on Wednesdays, which was like supermodel central. That was that was just like a big party before I moved out to Vegas, yeah. like back in 2002. So yeah. Unique and Kiki were promoting Serafina on Wednesdays. And then they were invited to do I think the first hip hop party on Tuesdays at Pangea. Oh shit! I forgot yeah. about Pangea. Yeah, and I was yeah. and I was the first DJ to DJ their first hip hop party, or like at Pangea or something. And then that's when they started putting me in rotation. They would put me in rotation show, and they're like, you know, you know the way Unique talks, right? I'm opening a big club. DJ, 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 DJ. I'm opening a big club in uh <laughs> in the meatpacking district. You're gonna kill it, man. You're gonna kill it. And then he'd be like, uh, and then yo, he was it was the hottest club at the time and you were there on Fridays yeah. and I was yeah. there on Saturdays and every time I come in on a Saturday everyone would be talking about MOS is set on Friday and it used to like annoy the shit out of me you know they'd be, <laughs> they'd be like MOS killed that shit on Friday man he played this he played that I'm like man fuck MOS man. Dude, that's, man, why, that's about the time I first got Serato honestly like I, I started playing there actually Reach was actually the resident there and like he got sick one time and uh I used to follow Alex and Jed around and reach to that, all their clubs. Was, I was always it. open. That's what it was. Yeah. That was the Alex and Jed Friday yeah. party, right? Right. So you said yeah, you were I, getting in rotation there. Yeah, like I literally used to like beg them to like reach, let me open for you, let me open for you. I was like that annoying DJ, like always like, yo, let me open for you, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like hanging out with them, having <laughs> eating fucking after hours with these dudes. Um and then one time Reach was sick and they called me on a Friday, like a couple of hours before the club, can you come play? So I went in and played. And then I think I had just got Serato. So I like hooked up the Serato and like I had my entire library in front of me. Like I had every song that I ever wanted, plus my records. That was the first club that I actually started spinning Serato on. That and Lotus. Oh, really? And just going there early and setting that shit up. I would still bring like two crates of records just in case. Yeah. Yeah, but that was I definitely yeah. Crates, yeah. There was definitely a difference because then it was like they didn't need because at that time they had a house DJ and a hip hop DJ, and then when yeah, I got, survey still did it. Like survey still played with me for like most of the time I was at yeah. PM. He wanted someone to play house, and I didn't really play house like that. I played like you know classic like black house, like you know follow me and you know what I'm saying those kind of records. But he survey like really taught me like watching him play taught me like yeah real house music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I remember like. I think that's when I started standing out in New York was just because I had all the house records and the hip hop. And it was it was really yeah. because of Serato, because you really couldn't bring that many records like that. Serato actually kind of fucked that up for like house DJs, because then it became all hip hop open format, because then all the open format hip hop DJs had all the house records in New York. Yeah, you didn't really have to dig for them. You could like just be basically have them. Yeah. You know Yo, did you manually transfer your your whole library into Serato or how did you how yeah. did you get your library? I did in well, the beginning. No. I, it was from CDs, though. And then there was, yeah. like, the remixes and shit from vinyl. I still have a lot of the songs are from vinyl. I didn't manually transfer it. I, so I just basically downloaded records. I also, like, Roxicon gave me a whole bunch of edits. Oh, for the first person that actually gave me edits. Yeah, he gave me a bunch of edits when I first got Serato, yeah. Oh, that's great. He's the first person I saw play on Serato. Mm. No, not, not, no, not him, not, not, not Roxicon. The first person I saw playing Serato was Just Ski, but I played with Roxicon that night. That's the first time I met him. I saw him play like live or DJ with Rock to God. 
Where where was that at? Air Lounge. Air Lounge. Where the what was that? Is the old uh, you know um it's on Fort, where you know RDV is? It's on uh, 13th Street, right across from where Catch is now. Oh, it was something else after after Air. Um, it was Bagatelle for a while. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I remember Bagatelle. Yeah, yeah, that space. It used to, so it used to be this club called Air. My boy Peter Paul gave me um, hooked me up with that residency through this dude DJ Exacta playhouse and he was the booking agent for that so i was playing over there and then i remember they were doing a um a guns and roses like con- or motley crew concert after party some shit so it's like just ski and then i played for a while and then rock to con came on so just ski was hooking up the serato and then i played and rock to con came with like four crates of just rock music and i was like jesus christ how does this dude have all this rec all these records on vinyl mm-hmm. like rock to con destroyed that shit yeah, yeah. it's crazy <laughs> That shit. Yeah, he's crazy. Do you do like yo? You was cool with everybody, right? You didn't have no beef with no no DJs. Nah, 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 not really. No. I, but you, you you came up with a lot of DJs at the time. You had like Jusky, yeah. Jesse Marcos, Cassidy. Yeah, Lee. I remember. Yeah, I remember all those dudes. Like, I mean, Jesse. I remember when Jesse in the beginning, like Jesse used to when Jesse used to come by stereo was full of that dude Nick Cohen used to bring him through the stereo. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that's when I guess when Jesse was kind of starting out. Reach yeah. was already established when I started playing. Mm-hmm. Like he was already doing like Lotus and like all kind of like the Gustavitos and all the, the hot clubs in the city. But yeah. But yeah, I used to just like follow DJs. Like if I, if I heard about a DJ, I would just go check them out. I'd be on the Herbert Holler. Trying I, to see I, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, shit. Yeah. Wait, like, what was that? What was, what was that? The Herbert Holler. Like, so there's this DJ, DJ Herbert, which is like the worst name ever. But he's like, <laughs> and he actually looks like his name. Like, he looks like a DJ Herbert. He looks like a Herbert. You know what I'm saying? Like, he looks like DJ Herbert. He's, he's yeah. dope. He's, look, he's the homie. He's, I've known him a long time. He yeah. actually has one of the longest running, like, good music parties, like old school classics, hip hop parties. It's called the Freedom Party. It was yeah. re- it was really big. It's it was like every Friday. It was just it was one of the parties. It was like that would just play old school and good music. And yeah. um and uh, he had a weekly email where he would send every DJ's gig every day from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday to Saturday. He was like the first dude to use social media to promote. Parties, right? Well, like, yeah, well, emails, so. emails, right? So every week you get the Herbert Holler. But it was like <laughs> every club in this. When I say every club and lounge in the city, it was like everything, like from mm-hmm. little hole in the wall downtown to like the major spots yeah. for every DJ. So you would know like Evil D's playing at like some spot on fucking Houston Street and like Mark Ross is playing at some spot uptown. Like, you know what I'm saying? You would just know every. DJ schedule or every spot every night, but that's so you that, can kind of plan your week out. Yo, the, the before social media, that's honestly how every DJ marketed their shit. Was we all had to have our own email list. Like I don't know about you, you know, most, but like I would have my own DJ Crooked, and I'd have to send it out every week. And yeah, I have to, you I had know, an email list too. yeah, you had to send it out, and if you didn't send it out, like Herbert wouldn't DJ Herbert wouldn't know where you were. Like no one would know where the fuck you were. So you needed to send out an email, like, and all of this shit. I remember, like, I would try to make it spicy. Like, you try to put, like, yo, my top five at the end of, like, so people, motherfuckers would read your, your email. Yeah. <laughs> you would try to make yo, it, like, uh, dope. You try to put, like, yo, here's my top five. You try to make it, like, a journal. Like, yo, like, you know, that happened this week. You know? 
you know like, yo this week's event was crazy yeah yeah yo, i stole um <laughs> i stole my you know when i was interning like i got i ended up being on people's email list when i from being interned like electro at mtv so when i started like really dj heavy i remember once some industry dude i figured some vp or something he sent out an email and didn't bcc his list oh. so it was like 2500 people in the industry like all his people like so it was like execs everything so i took that entire list and created my email list to that so that's what i said i figured like okay if, if like 50 percent of these people like unsubscribe at least i get like you know i'll have at least a thousand you know serious heads that are going to pay attention to what i'm, what I'm doing so that was the hack if, like that shit. was the hack if someone forgot to bcc this shit. Shit. yeah and i used to steal that shit all the time and you should steal all the emails yo and like and you used to like there was a time when I was coming up and I would send my emails out. And I remember the first time I got on the Herbert Holler email. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And you were just like, oh shit, like, I'm like on. you made it. Yeah, because they put a list, like, it would be like Friday. And he'd obviously put like the dopest parties at the top. So it'd be like, you know, Mark. You sometimes it'd be, you wouldn't even put the DJ because if the club didn't say what DJ was playing, you wouldn't even put the DJ. Oh, is so it? When, okay. Yeah. So then he have the club and then the DJs and then you'd be like in the middle. If you were like kind of near the top, you're like, oh shit, like my party yeah. is popping. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever. Like he yeah, would do he all that shit. kind of music you're playing afterward, like after your day and all that. So and that was literally the only way motherfuckers know where to go. Like Exactly. And it would be the only way like us DJs would know like, oh, let's go check out this motherfucker on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever the fuck before. Yeah. Before social media and all that shit. Wow. Mm -hmm. Herbert Holler. Shout to Herbert, Herbert man. Holler. Yeah, yo, but yeah, I mean, fuck, that was yo the era that me, uh, me and uh, MOS came in with with Club PM, right, with Unique and Kiki. Yeah. This is also where, like, so at this Club PM, right, I'd be there. He'd be there Fridays. I'd be there Saturdays. So there was this one waitress there, the server there, right? Beautiful, beautiful server, you know. Uh, Easy, <laughs> gorgeous, stunning. Uh, she she would she would come up to me all the time, and she'd like she'd always request centipede, right? Uh, centipede, centipede, that song. She's like, oh, it's my favorite song. Yeah. She knew all the eighties R and B. She was like the only staff member that would come up to me during the night and be like, what song is this? Or do you have this song? She'd be requesting and doing all of this, and then I forget like around the time when I was about to leave for Vegas. She came up to me. She's like, yo, MOS is going to teach me how to DJ. And I was like, oh, word? <laughs> and that ended up being DJ Kiss, right? Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I feel like she asked you to, I feel like she asked the teachers. You were like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I don't think she did. <laughs> See, crooked, you fucked up, man. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Crooked, you're responsible for this again. There you go. Um, it would have been crooked and, uh, crooked and kiss, right? Crooked and kiss. <laughs> crooked and kiss. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she got, she was, um, no, it was, it was weird because like when I started playing this, she used to come up to me in the beginning of the night when I'd be playing like classics and samples. Yeah. And she always like, you know, yo, I like what you're playing. Do you have this? Do you have this song? Yeah. And she'd be like, Name records I didn't have. Like, yeah, I yeah. Like, I get to sample to this. So I remember, like, one week she came in the next. She came in the next week with a CD with all these original samples that I didn't have, and I was kind of like, "Yo, you should be a DJ. Like, like you're beautiful. Like, if you learn how to DJ, you would 
make way more money than you. I mean, I didn't know what they were making at PM. They're making probably a lot more than I am. <laughs> I was, but like, I was telling you, you'd blow up if you were if you became a DJ. So I started teaching her, and she, and again, she's a she's one of those people. Like she's like us. She loves to dig for records. She loves music, like a DJ loves music. So it's, it's, it was really kind of like almost like fate for her to like start doing this. Yeah, her musical yeah. knowledge is crazy. Yeah, her musical knowledge is insane. Like I've been I've been going deep on some sample shit, like doubling it up on some like some shit, and she knew it. Like, oh, Daz, I like, oh, I love Daz, I love that. I'm like, oh, you know this shit. It's like, yeah, because you don't really crazy. run into motherfuckers like that ever. Yeah, you don't. You don't run into people like that. Yeah, very often. that's crazy. Yeah. So y- y'all linked up. You taught. So like. You you were like, I want to teach you how to DJ? Or Yeah, I told her like, yeah, I'll teach you how to DJ, but you know, I'm really trying to get the number, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, like no, for real, no. <laughs> we talk about this all the time because um, so yeah, so she gave me a number, I hit her up. She's like, Yeah, I'm gonna come by for a lesson. So she came through, she brought drinks, you know what I mean? This is like this is like an afternoon. I told my roommate, my roommate, like, all right, listen, I got this girl coming through. Just I'll hit you when I'm you know, when, you know, when, when we're done. So she came through and then she was like, yo, what's up? Let's learn. Let's do it. And so I started, and I was like, oh shit, you really want to learn? Okay, cool. So I started teaching her. Um, so I gave her a lesson. And then I was like, uh, you know, the best way to learn how to DJ is to watch somebody do it. You know, I could teach you like the mechanics, but you should actually be in the booth and watch what it takes. So she came by this spot, that spot RDV. I was doing it on Wednesday and check me out, watch me play. And that's kind of like where we first hooked up and fell in, you know i would say fall, fall in love kind of thing what year was that like 2006 that was 2006 2005 2006 that's when i left yeah yeah so like i remember i was djing at, at, at rdv and like you know we were drinking we ended up kissing and then like i put a cd on at like 1 30 in the morning and took her to um apt which is like wednesday night's like one of my favorite parties in the oh city, man such so, a good party so yeah. i took her to apt and then like Kind of like this is where I usually hang out, so and that's kind of where it all started. There was a there was a funny uh, I I don't know if it was in a video or it was something where you guys like were in a car I think and you guys were not not arguing, but you were saying I don't I forgot I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like it was kind of great. It was very cute too. It was like a good moment. <laughs> it was like for as long as you've been in New York and as good as the DJ as you are. And as 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 deep as your crates are for New York, right? Yeah, you could yeah. never spin as good as a DJ who actually grew up in New York, because she's not from New York, <laughs> I said right? That. <laughs> yeah, I said that. I definitely probably said that. <laughs> and she was like, "What?" what we get into not, and she was we like, "Get into knockdown, drag out fights <laughs> over like musical time. But um, she's like, she's from Louisiana. She's from the South. She's yeah, from yeah. Baton Rouge. So like, when it comes to like Southern hip hop. West Coast hip hop because West Coast was a big influence in that area. She's like, she puts me on the shit. She put me on a sugar free and a bunch of shit. Oh, but wow. I kept, but she was like, yeah, but then I'll be like, yo, but you can't play New York like I play New York. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't grow up on Mob Deep. Like, you know what I'm saying? You ain't grow up on, you know what I'm saying? On Ghostface and Ray Porn. Like, what's up? But so I, thought was, I thought it was so funny because she was like, she was. She was so tight. Like, she was legitimately oh, no. tight. She's like, how could you say that? Like, and then on camera. Like, how could you say that shit on camera, too? But I thought it was cute. Like, just couples. Like, yeah. is it, yo, is it? Yeah. Is it difficult to, like, to juggle? Because you guys have, like, a work, a personal, obviously, because you guys are married. And then a work relationship. And then you guys are, like, branded together. You know what I'm saying? Like a duo, yeah. Is that? Um... It's not, no, it's not like, it, it's really not that difficult. It's not as difficult as people may think, like, because both of us are workaholics, so we like 
to what we love to work. Like most of our career, we've been like, you know, traveling different cities. Um, I mean, it does sometimes put a strain, like after a while, like, you know, we had to do, we had to definitely, part of the reason we moved to LA was kind of to try to t- try to take it like a little bit of a step back, but it's great because, you know, you have somebody who understands like what you're going through, like, you know what I'm saying? Like understands that like, look, I don't like, I've got an hour before I got to leave for the club. I don't really feel like talking about shit or I don't, you know what I'm saying? Or like, if you had a bad night, understanding what that, what that feels like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And if we could bounce, bounce musical ideas off each other. I mean, there's definitely some, somewhat of a competitive thing between us in the beginning and during our relationship. (laughs) Like there's definitely times we're like, you're drinking and you're DJing and we're playing together and like, you know, she's like, yo, can you pick it up? Or yo, let me jump on down. Like, what do you think I'm not, what do you think I'm not killing it right now? Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. Definitely. Yo, you stole my mix, man. What are you doing? The fuck? Oh my god, I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine. Oh, no, no, was, yeah, there was there was one time where you're like, yo, I, like I was like, oh yeah, you know, you, you know, you do that mix that I do. You're like, what are you talking about? I like I did that mix first, like so. There's definitely some, some of that, but it's fun. It's funny, like you know, it's just it's not it's nothing like super serious, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I was it's, at, it's, I was at a, I was at an event and y'all was spinning and then she was like annoyed and i was like what's wrong like yo you i haven't seen her in so long we're like oh she's like oh and i'm like i was kiss what's wrong she's like mos i don't know what he's playing right now and just ran away and just walked away (laughs) (laughs) and i was looking at you you were kind of killing it but i feel like she had a whole different direction yeah she had a whole different direction like we used to play it um we used to play it uh brigada like you know and that's a very specific crowd yeah yeah. very pop I'd be in there sometimes just going deep on the crowd a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And like, she would be like, look, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, just keep it like, can we just play some Katy Perry? Let's just get out of here. You know what I'm saying? The only reason why I think it would be really difficult because it's like careers are not always running in sync with like, you know, I've have I dated? I would think two industry people who are in the same industry, let alone the same field, right? You know, mm. One person's trajectory is going to be higher than the other sometimes. Yeah. If someone has a horrible night, but one has an amazing night, you know, that person who had an amazing night can't really just celebrate and be like, oh, my God, a made best night ever. They kind of got to bring it yeah. down and then become a support system for the other. And I, I feel like it, it is kind of hard to navigate if you're with the wrong partner, oh, was- right? I mean, when we were young, that was that was a little bit difficult because, again, when I started teaching her to play, as soon as she, so I used to have, let her, I used to have her open for me and close for me at Stereo. So Stereo was like the hot club in the city, mm-hmm. and me and Doug Grayson, me and Doug Grayson were the residents there, and then they would have, you know, AM or Clark Kent or whatever be like guest DJs. So most of the week it was me and Doug splitting up the night. So mm-hmm. I'd have Kiss, you know, close for me at Stereo. And she was already knew what she was doing. So she was killing it. Like she would be gone from like three to four and smash it. So she ended up starting getting booked for like gigs for like Nike and All-Star Weekend and all this, you know what right. I mean? Stuff that I would love to have done, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was trying to do, but she kind of got it really quickly because she was so good and she's beautiful. So yeah, there was a little bit, you know, at a point I was like, damn, I wish I was doing that. Like, why am I not playing this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, damn, man. you know, <laughs> No, but as you get, as you mature, like you understand, you know, you root for the, you root. But again, I'm her biggest supporter. She's my biggest supporter. So like I'm 100% rooting for her, always promoting her, always, you know, pushing her and I'm trying to be there for her. But like there definitely, there were definitely situations in the beginning where I was like, damn, 
I remember we uh, she got booked to do a uh, Puff's birthday party. I think it was like his 39th in Miami. Oh man! <laughs> like he flew, he f- so he flew everybody out to the to the birthday. So he flew her and everybody out to the birthday. But I had to fl- I had to go get my own flight. Oh there. shit! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There were a couple situations like that, but you know, I'm always I'm humble. You know what I'm saying? Like for me, it's like I just need to be in the building. If I'm in the building, I can make something happen. Man, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 so the I, fact that my the no, fact that my girl is in that is in that room in, in that in that in, in that space means that there's a way for me to get into that space as well. You know what I'm saying? I'm, and I'm same not, with her. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like you kind of were the poster child for all the DJs to like to think twice before they teach their girlfriend how to DJ because. <laughs> Your girl could like blow up and then just like leave you on the side yeah, she, or like just blow up. Yeah, she because I remember when she was blowing up and she was blowing up fast too. It was like yeah, really fast. Yeah, and then and I remember you you were still doing your thing and shit, but she was just like she was doing crazy shit. And I remember yeah, I was doing mostly like the club, the club yeah, the stuff. club. She was doing like events, events. and like corporate. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I remember like motherfuckers would be talking. I'd be coming to New York. I'd visit New York. They'd be like, "Yo, man, like." Don't yell. You don't ever teach a shorty how to DJ or like that. You got to sign a contract where you get a piece of that shit. Cause like, <laughs> cause yo, I remember they were like, yo, and they were like, I know MOS is tight. Like, yo, he, you know what I'm saying? I, like, I wasn't, you know, but honestly, I wasn't tight. I was yeah. happy because again, the way our relationship was, is like, again, I was killing, I was really doing, I was doing well in the night, in the nightclubs. You were, Vegas. you were. Yeah. And she, she, she was actually, she did an MGM. She was a resident MGM grand before they, open Hakkasan for a while as well. So she was on, she got signed a scam. I was still with like, you know, whatever man, the manager I had at the time. Were you, oh, um, wait, so you weren't on DGI yet at that time? I wasn't on DGI yet. She was on, she got signed a scam early. Yo, I, for, I forgot that she was on scam. That's crazy. She's, she's, she's doing a lot of the club. Yeah, she's doing a lot of clubs, but then she was doing a ton of events. Right. And uh, I wanted to do events, but I was happy doing clubs. But I just knew that, through her doing events and me being there at the events, I just knew that there's a that that's that's the way in. Just like her being in the nightclubs and open and playing with me at stereo and all these places and allowed people to see how she played in the nightclub and her DJ, ended up her DJing like Avenue and all these all these other places. So um so yeah, it, it's kind of short sighted to look at it like, oh, she's blowing up, I'm not blowing up. It's like there's an opportunity for you both to blow up. Right, but yeah, for real. But that, you know, motherfuckers are haters, so they're gonna say it. Like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> no, trust me. I've had, I've had that conversation. People have said I've had that conversation with friends before, and I was like, you tripping? No, no. See, I always thought it was dope. I thought it was like some power couple shit. You know? Yeah, yeah that's kind. That's kind of how we we. That's really how we we um we kind of planned it. Actually, like. I remember we um, we always talk about this, like how we sat down in my living room and kind of like planned out where we wanted to be in the next five years, like mm-hmm. every year. Like, this is what I want to be. This is what we want to be doing. This is how we're going to get it, blah, blah, blah. So it was never like, yo, this person is blowing up and I'm not. It was kind of like, yo, this is part. This is the plan. Like, you know, whoever's whoever's killing it, like the other person's coming to events and she's introducing me to her clients. I'm introducing her to my clients like. So that's why we end up doing a lot of the same stuff and or even stuff together. That's kind of like how I ended up DJing for Puff. And I was just, I was just always at the events with her, always at the parties at his crib with her. Like when she's playing, I jump on for a second, play a little bit, and eventually we started doing stuff with him together. It, it's uh, at least you got the yeah. 50th party, bro, not the 39th. I'm just gonna say that. The 50th? Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was wild. That was wild. <laughs> 
Jamie, you was, was there, wild. right? Yeah, I was there. I was uh I was at the 50th. It was MOS uh D Nice before D Nice was you know the biggest DJ in the world. And then uh who was the other guy? Cassidy. Cassidy. Oh, and in between them it was Mary J. Blige. And then Mary Lil J. Cam. Blige. Yeah. That was yeah, a long then, night. And I think Dougie Fresh was on the mic for at a minute. Yeah. Dougie it, Fresh, Kenny Burns. Yeah. That was a that was an insane. Like everybody and their mother was in that party. That's yeah. the best party I think I've ever played in my life. Really? Yeah, that that party was pretty yeah, nice. Everybody was the best there. Party. Yeah. Like, and then yeah, McDon- was- free McDonald's like at four in the morning. Me and MOS were eating chicken nuggets before he did the after party. It was the it was- weirdest yeah. shit of all time. Yeah, and like I got there at nine and I left there at like eight in the morning. Yeah. And you, re- so you, re- you recorded that set, right? That, that yeah, I recorded my I recorded my set from the after party. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. When I got to the after party, it was like three people in there. You know what I'm saying? But it was like Usher and like Little Kim and like Ray J in there, just hanging out <laughs> with me and Damon and Kiss, just kind of just chilling on the couch. And then it turned into this whole thing. It was dope. Do you uh it was dope. what what is your strategy when you do events like that? When 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 you do like celebrity events like that, because I feel like I'm not really good at that. But you have to be very aware of the artists that are in the room and figure out a way to like please every artist, cater to them, but in a cool way where it's not exploitive, where it's kind of like the energy is dope. And, you know, it's like you kind of you kind of got to like really work that celebrity room a certain way. And stuff like that. Well, I look at it like this. I mean, I love rooms like that with a lot of artists because, you know, especially older artists, you know, Puff is one is a person who loves classics. Yeah. So I know, like, start off with classics. Like, you can go, you can go pretty deep in the beginning to open up and start. And, like, I kind of, like, use that to set the tone. You know what I'm saying? To play a lot of classics. And then once, like, it starts getting kind of popping in there, then I go into, like, my regular kind of hip-hop set, but, like, party hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? You feel I me? Mean? Like, and, yeah. and of course, because it's tough, little kid, you're gonna drop crush on you and all those all those records. And but you don't need to cater too much to every artist unless they come up to you. Be honest with you, most people are there just to have a good time. They don't really want to hear their record. Like when you're at a nightclub, they want to hear their record because they want to promote their song. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But when they're at a party having a good time, they just want to hear good records. I feel and like if their record happens to be in the mix of that, that's just a plus. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. all, I feel like they all low key want it. Hear that right? Yeah, but you know, again, like it's not, it's not hard to to throw in French Montana. It's not hard to throw in Mega the Stallion. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know. I was gonna, I was gonna add to add to that. I think MOS went from nine to like eleven thirty ish, and it was nothing but classics. I don't think he played one new record at all. Nah, and it, it was just nothing but classics. It was shit that I've, you know, new music to me, even though it's older music, but it was new music to a lot of the young folks in there too. But, but Andre Rell was one of the reasons why Andre Rell came up to me early, like, peace. yeah, rest in peace, Andre. Like, I started off playing. Like when I got there, Puff was kind of walking around. He was like, he up to me, he's like, yo, can you play Afrobeat? And I was like, okay, sure. So I just started playing Afrobeat for like a while. And uh, then Andre Harrell came up to me and was like, yo, listen, just I need that champagne. Because he did he did this uh, mix with uh, Cassidy called Champagne and Bubbly. And Bubbly. I remember that, those mixes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they were actually working on a part two before he um, passed. But, um, yeah, so he came up to me. He was like, yo, I need that Champagne and Bubbly shit right now. Let's go. And so mm-hmm. I started playing, like, you know, classic Michael Jackson, SOS band. And that was kind of like what set the tone for the beginning of the night. But he's really the reason why I started playing that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, well, we were both there early, early. They're still trying to set up the, the bars. And then yeah. Puff was walking around approving and disapproving shit. 
Yeah, and I remember that part. But you were playing like way before nine o'clock, though. <laughs> yeah, I got. I like to get there early and like warm up. You've, you've you know always you've always been like that, though. I I remember like even at certain nightclubs, you would come in the day before, if if, if even or the even the I'd week come in the weekend before or the week. Setting up. <laughs> nah, but you you would, you would not nah, you, you, you would you would come in even the week before. Even if it was an out of town gig, you would fly in maybe a week. Yeah, or two I would listen. Before. I was flying to listen. Yeah, I'd like to listen to what what the club, what is being played. Like every place is different, and I've been like, I've you know, I've gotten, I've been fucked up, like not, not knowing what the what the spot plays, and 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 uh, and I've I've definitely had a lot of bad nights like that. Like I remember in Miami when I played Live for the first time, I bombed, like completely bombed. Like Dave Grubman came to me, he's like, yo. You're never. He said to Jessica Rose, "Who's like, yo? You're, he's never ever gonna play at Live ever again." <laughs> That's how bad it was. The first Friday they were open, but you were resident. But you're a resident. You're you're you. Were well, yeah. So what happened was what happened was Jessica Rosenblum, who's like one of the best managers I've ever had. Um, well, she actually, she actually celebrated a birthday recently. Happy birthday, yeah, Jessica! Yeah, she celebrated. She is she is a nightlife icon. She's she's the OG. She's oh, a nightlife. nightlife. New York nightlife. nightlife. New York nightlife. Yeah. Uh, if, we, if we could get her on here, I know she doesn't want to come on here, but she, we, she'll come on. She, she, she definitely come on. on. I feel like she she already told we had Bill Spector on here, and he actually called her and she's like, "Yo, if if I if I just start talking about the shit that happened, I'm gonna get angry." And she's like, <laughs> and she's like, "I don't want to go down that path. Like, I don't want to go through those memories and like get pissed off again and then start oh, saying a, a bunch of fucked up shit." So she's like, "No, like I'm good. Like I can't." Nah, she, that. Yo, she like she helped a lot of people a out. Lot. Real, like she she put on a lot of people. Yeah, um, but yeah, like I remember, like she was telling me about like because when she started managing me, she was like, you know, she's good friends with Dave. And she was telling me, like, yeah, Dave does not like you. She does not want you to play. So she convinced him to give me a shot one night. And she had me fly in the week before. And I stayed at her crib and went by to live on a Friday just to listen to the DJ. And I think it was Jesse Marco playing. So I sat there and listened for, like, the whole night and kind of got an idea of what it was. It wasn't even the week before. It was actually, like, a month before. So it was a month before on a Friday. Checked it out. And then she said, all right, now, now I need you to put a set together for that. So I put a set together. And... Off that set, I ended up becoming a resident over there. So that's dope. When you started come to Vegas and shit, and started getting into the rotation at Tao, right? It was like me, you, and like Barry, right? Barry, yeah. Barry, yeah. So it, Vice had left for for um, Pure. Yeah, because DJ yeah. Vice was the resident at Tao, and then he went to Pure for like I don't they know. signed everybody to like a million dollar contract. Yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone, whoever signs to Pure at that time got a million dollar contract. It was like uh, a million dollar contract. I mean, I think that's like a million dollar contract. Yeah. I don't think everybody got a million. Yeah, yeah, like AM that's got the, the first. AM got the first million dollar contract, and then it was like Vice. Yeah, yeah, because you open you open Lava as well, right? I think it was like yeah, oh, open Lava. Yeah, open Lava with you, right? Yeah, exactly. I was telling Cook yeah. off camera like how like I used to open for you and even Barry, but it would be like back to back, like Friday, Saturday, Tao and Lava. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, yeah. I, had another a, I had a question because it was something that I feel like a lot of people would never really maybe saw the inside of it, but I remember when Vice left, you guys, you and Barry were there heavy like Friday, Saturday at both spots. And then I felt like when he came back, you guys weren't there as much. And it was like a weird thing, like him coming back. I don't know. Yeah. If they, I don't know if they felt like it wasn't enough room for you guys to all be there together. But when Vice came back, it just changed shit. But it wasn't necessarily 
a move that I liked because I loved having you there. I thought you were a perfect fit for like Tao and Lavo. You know what I'm saying? Respect yeah, you as a um, fan. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I mean, obviously there was, you know, there's like some kind of deal or between, you know, Tav Roop and Scam or whatever. Um, I didn't really get into the specifics of why. I mean, I just knew that Vice was like their guy before we got, you know, before we got there. And I mean, even the way that we were promoted there was kind of weird. Like I felt like we weren't put on, our names were on the fly a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, it was my first time playing in Vegas, first residency in Vegas. So I wasn't really complaining too much about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was just happy to be getting paid and flying to Vegas, you know, twice a month. Yeah. Um, but looking back, yeah, I just think that like, again, I think that, you know, again, Tau Group really rocks with rocks with Vice. And I'm sure whatever contract or whatever deal they have is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's probably what, what the situation is. I mean, you can't, you can't, like, listen, this whole thing's about relationships. These, these, these gigs, you know, at the end of the day. So yeah. like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know the extent of Vice's relationship with the people at Tau Group, but it's definitely a lot stronger than mine mm-hmm. at the time. So that's it was, really some, it was something as a fan of you, as a fan of you as a DJ. It was something that and I he's a dope DJ also. He's also he is, really man. great. But it was dope to have a different energy. And I think that yeah. you and like, you know, obviously Crooked was there during that time. You and Barry, like y'all provided a different energy that that Vegas had. Yeah, really had. yeah man. You no, know, I, I feel that because we were coming coming from New York playing out there. You know what I'm saying? Like we brought a different kind of thing. And then, you know, obviously whatever Omar wanted us to play. <laughs> Omar would be quick to be like, call you that. Any, did you have any crazy run-ins with Omar, or was it kind of cool? Not, not nothing too crazy. I mean, Omar would used to call me in like probably like before I'd go on and like I go in the office like a couple hours before and be like, "Listen, I need you to play like a bunch of Duran Duran tonight because we have a client." I'm like, "Oh my god, really?" He's like, "Yeah, and I need you to stop playing one more time because Jason Strauss hates that record." And I'm like, "Okay, thank you so much." I'm like, you know, Daft Punk's the biggest group in the world right now, right? <laughs> 2007. Yeah, this is like, yeah, this is like 08. I mean, one more time had like kind of run its course at that point, but it's Vegas. Like, mm-hmm. where were you? It's kind of like perfect for that, correct? You know what I mean? Were you in Vegas during the Jolo era, the Jolo times? I wasn't. I don't think I was in Vegas. There. I don't think I saw Jolo in Vegas, but I definitely was in New York when he he uh, bought everybody Cristal, bought the entire thing Cristal for everybody in the club. And I remember, like at the time just opened up and I was before I was with DGI so I was getting paid like I don't know three four hundred dollars for a Monday right but they were like you know we're just opened up we're just you know we're you know we're still building and all this and Cholo comes through and buys Christophe for everybody in, in the club and I remember when I got my check because I ordered food or I get a discount on the food so they took out money for food Oh shit! <laughs> I was, no, I was kind of like, "Are you serious?" Um, but then, yeah, when I got with DJI, Yoni was like, oh, "He just put the kibosh on that." He's like, "All right, we're taking you out. We're gonna renegotiate this shit." Yeah, that's <laughs> that's. Uh, I heard. I remember. Look? I remember a lot of DJs who were getting rotated at that spot. To be like, we're getting this much money, and then we have to stay like an extra two hours till like five a.m. or whatever. Oh yeah, but Joe, yeah, yeah. And then they'd be watching the club making like an extra fifty thousand dollars, and then they're they're just yeah. walking home for like for like, like literally DJing seven hours, like and making three fifty or four hundred, like you said. It was. Yeah. What happened with New York, like in your opinion, and during that time, like, oh, I think because yo, because when when I left, right when I was at PM two thousand five with you, I remember PM was paying me one thousand a night on Saturdays. I mean, they were paying well. I was doing Ruby Falls for a thousand, like you know, like yeah. 
it was like we the, the money was going up and then oh, some, yeah. and then yeah. and then some happened i don't know what happened like around the 2010 exactly what happened yeah i know exactly what happened like dude i feel you like when i was it's I, I mean i wasn't getting that much at pm but i remember like after stereo i was getting like you know I, some spot opened up on the east side i was getting like a thousand a night for that 1300 for arena like we're getting like the, the money was getting really really fucking good and then the economic crash happened 2008 happened like the freaking mm. whole market crash all the all the spenders from like wall street weren't coming in buying bottles and like you know it was just like everybody kind of lost their life savings right so right put, that's like, right, so, right so it just slowed up and like i feel like Clubs took advantage of that to kind of cut costs where they could, and like they cut costs with the DJ. So like DJ rates well, went down. Well, they probably they probably did it earnestly in the beginning, but then they just never yeah, brought it back course. up. They just never brought it back up, right? Is that that's how it's that's how it starts. How it starts. Like if you're getting a guy for like if you had a guy who's you're paying him eight and now you're paying him three, you know, after like six to eight months a year doing that, you're gonna just start paying him eight again. Did your price you know, go down? When all this happened, yeah, my price, my price went, my price went, yeah, my price went down. Like my, I mean, I didn't say, I wouldn't say my price went down. I would say like, I wasn't getting booked at that price mm -hmm. as much, you know? So like I was doing, but at that time, I think I started doing some, I started doing events and I was also, and I started throwing that party, Baby and Star. Oh, oh shit, yeah. So yeah. kind of was like, yeah, so I was kind of like kind of doing my own thing on the side as well. So it kind of didn't really matter. And then I got with DJI and DJI kind of like, they were finding gigs. Like they were able to negotiate those, negotiate through those situations. So like if we did take a pay cut, cause I remember in the beginning, you know, and he was like, yeah, you know, they're going to be, you know, it's going to be a, lot, a little less money because of what's going on. But then I remember like prices going back up mm -hmm. at a certain point, you know, for us. I remember, yeah, but like not not to the not to the extent with that they were before. You feel me? Yeah. So, Moise, have you experienced any of that during the pandemic, like with the prices? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think in the, I mean, beginning of the pandemic, like I remember they were talking about clubs opening up in like June, July, in twenty twenty, and I remember having conversations like, "Look, the the pay is going to be they're like cutting everything fifty percent, so like you're probably going to get half of what you're getting." But understand that, like, we're in a, and I was like, "Look, I've been we've been rocking together with them forever." whatever club forever i'm cool with them you know i understand yeah. just as long as this is not like another 2008 where like after you know what i'm saying like it never goes back up you know um and again i've i've been i've played highlight room the other day played paid me my rate as before, like prepaying pandemic rates so i don't think like again i think having good management and also having good relationship with the bookers that really helps to be able to talk to them for real or they're going to treat you like however. Because, again, it's a company. they got to make money. Yeah. It's kind of like a, yeah. a, a balance, though, right now. It's either you take a pay cut and you work a lot or you don't take a pay cut and you don't work as much as you did kind of thing, right? So the, yeah. So you're getting – some people are getting the same pay. It's just not as frequent. So it's like you kind of got – I had to do that same thing where I had to make that choice of do I want to take a pay cut or do I want to stay at the same rate? and just work a little bit less. And I decided to like keep my rate and just work a little bit less. I remember when things first opened back up, I was thinking whatever I could take because, you know, after going a year without working, I was like, I need to A, get back into the swing of playing in front of a crowd. Because mm -hmm. live streaming is different than playing for like a live audience, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need to take as many of these gigs as I can. So I was working like four or five nights a week sometimes, but then I ended up burning out. And like, again, when you, after a while, you're like, no, I just don't, I can't do this like this. You know what I mean? So I just took a step back. 
So I work when I when when I can. I have a couple gigs that I do for fun, like I DJ for my boy Damon. I'm doing a party with Tendaji on Wednesdays, and then whenever I'm booked to do like you know the Tau Group spot or whatever, that's it. And then events. You just mentioned Legendary Damon, right? You you like that's you you and Kiss and Legendary Damon were like doing that Baby I'm a Star party in New York, which was yeah. like which was really big. And I I remember I used to see Khalees go there a lot. She's she's best friends with Damon. Yeah, yeah. I actually went to school with Khalees, like middle school. Word. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They did choir together. I was in choir with her. Yeah, I was. I was in choir with her. <laughs> yeah, we all knew. Dope, we, we all knew she was gonna be a star. We were like, she was the best thing. I need to see a yearbook picture. Uh, I think that. For real, I, I need the yearbook oh, picture shit. too. <laughs> I need a picture of the choir, please. I need the choir picture from that year. She was exactly. Uh, she was like real thin. She was like a skinny little girl, and she had like. You know, like the same kind of big frizzy hair. So we we all used to call her like the next Whitney Houston. We're like, oh, she's oh, wow, gonna be like the shit. next Whitney Houston, and everything like that. And she then, popped off. Yeah, she's she's crazy. But those parties were were dope in New York. And like, yeah, we um, yeah, it was funny how it came together because Kiss was um, Kiss was DJing at Gold Bar when Gold Bar opened up, and Damon was hosting Tuesdays, and like that's kind of how they linked up. And I would play at the Eldridge Tuesdays, and like Eldridge would close out close down early, and I go to Gold Bar and play with Kiss. So that's kind of how we all kind of linked up. And then after a while, you know, we loved the music at Gold Bar and loved, you know, what we were playing. And uh, we connected over music and we decided to kind of come together and do a party. So we started at um, 105 Rivington. We used to call it um, dance, se- music, sex, romance, because Kiss and Damon are like the biggest Prince fans. I'm a big Michael Jackson fan, so they outvoted <laughs> me. <laughs> and then we... Um, and then, uh, so after 105 Rivington, we moved into RDV um, with this dude, uh, Patrick Cabido, who um, hooked us up. And uh, yeah, that party just popped off. I mean, I felt like New York needed something like that with like a fly, like old school type party, like a party like back in like, like a Danceteria kind of situation, you know what I'm saying? Studio 54 kind of, kind of vibe, like fashion, music, you know, hip hop, classics, everything. And then we'd have like a, a performer every week. So we had like Lisa Lisa, McMurphy from the system, um, Roxy Cottontail performed. We had um, Ro James performed, Luke James, a bunch of different people. Miguel performed a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just kind of kind of we kind of put it together like that, like a kind of almost like a showcase. But again, like an old school, like a party back in the 80s, like you would go to the garage and see early Madonna performing or somebody like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I remember at um, 105 Rivington, one of the first we had performed was uh, Lady Gaga. When she um oh, she first there's her first MTV interview that day she did her first MTV interview so it's right before she like popped off popped off because yeah man. she performed it already at um 105 for us that's crazy I me- I remember like because legendary Damon he's like so like he just dresses to the nine that motherfucker like he flaw he goes out flossy that's, flossy. that's, that's another OG um, door guy from New York from back in early 2000s yeah he yeah. Goes, 90s, 80s, 2000s. He he goes all out. So like, and then you and Kiss, like, I remember you were like stepping up your dress game too. You was looking yeah. like, you, so it was like it was like really like the place where you would see a lot of beautiful people and like well dressed motherfuckers. You know, it was like yeah. I remember seeing that. So every time I visited New York, I try to stop by, and, uh, and yeah, it was through. a good um. Like I look back at the pictures, and a lot of the kid people who used to come there like are now like. Again, we kind of try to fashion it like because Damon was so connected with so many artists right. and so many up and coming designers and just cool kids in the, in the scene. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That they don't come through and hang out. So like, 
you had a lot of like Ugo Mosier, who's, you know, big, um, right. what's it called? Designer, whatever right now. There's a bunch of people who used to come through there, like now popping off. But um, yeah, that's a, it was, it was what we, we kind of, we were very successful when we put together, but it was short. It was, it was short lived. Again, things like that don't last forever. So, you know, after a while, we did it for about 10 years, almost 10 years. But it was weekly, right? It was a weekly party. It was tough. It I mean, that's, that's draining, man. I mean, like, oh, my oh man. Like, yeah, that must, just trying to get people out every week and then organizing sponsors and just like artists. Art, yeah. You had artists. So you're ensuring the writers and what you had to play and all of this shit. It must have been crazy every week, you know? Well, no, nah, like, I mean, getting the artist wasn't tough. Like we get, Damon usually took care of like getting someone to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, getting people, getting people out every week was like, again, <laughs> tough. Like once, you know, when New York, hit, when winter hits in New York, it's like, we ain't trying to go out, mm-hmm. you know, but like we'd always, we, you know, luck out and get like John Legend's birthday party or we luck out and Questlove is in town. He'll do a set or Junior Sanchez came and did a set. You know what I'm saying? Crazy. Or, you know what I mean? So like there were, we had a lot of amazing nights, especially at RDV. And then we moved to Gold Bar. Um, and then that that kind of, that lasted for a second. And then we moved to Mr. H. Yeah. Yo. Don't you guys do something in LA also? Yeah, we were doing this thing called Party and Bullshit. So once you move to LA, a lot of people move from New York to LA. So <laughs> when we moved out here, a lot of people were asking us like, yo, you guys gonna do a party out here? You got gonna do something? And like, we hadn't done anything in a while. And is it? Interesting, like, you know, Tuesday, Baby Tuesday approached us right when Kiss and I were about to move about doing the basement of um, of um, Darby. So doing Baby I'm Sorry in the basement of Darby while they did Tuesday, Baby Tuesday upstairs, um, which was an interesting situation. I mean, I would have considered it if we had stayed. I think that would have been cool to have like yeah. two different parties in one venue. But uh, anyway, so we moved here, you know, Alistair Melnick came to us and we were like, you know, let's just think about it. So we found a spot blind dragon and it worked out perfectly. It's right up the street from the house from us. Great, great location around the corner from like one Oak. And yeah, a lot of people came through a lot of New Yorkers and it was dope. Mm-hmm. But again, that weekly party grind, it's tough. Baby. Why yo, yeah, getting people hard. out? Why did you, why did you move to LA? Cause I felt like it was the right time to move. Cause there was, there was a certain time around the 2000, like tens, like in the mid 2010s where I feel like New York, the music and the club scene was like stagnant. It was kind of, it felt behind a little bit too. Sometimes yeah, it was, um, it was stagnant for a while. And like, you know, I started traveling a lot and uh, I got, I was working out here in LA a lot. I was doing playhouse for a couple, for at least mm. a year or two. And, um, and then I guess it through, through Mr. H actually through baby and the star I ended up doing stuff for the, for the Weinstein company, um, RIP the Weinstein company. Um, <laughs> so I started doing premieres in New York. Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay, okay, got listen, it. Listen, yeah. listen, listen, listen. So I ended up doing stuff for, for them for for a minute, and then they booked me to do their Golden Glow party, which is like the big party out in LA. So we came out here to um, do that, and Kiss was like, and then um, we also Good Morning America, which Kiss had a big great relationship with. They were filming out here for their Oscar um, show, so they had Kiss, I think, on for the Oscar show. Not me. So she was out here as well. So she was like, yo, we should just get a place out here since you're always working out here. And then like award seasons, like for the next couple months, let's get a place for like three months from like January to like March. So we ended up renting a spot out there. And like, while we were in New York, things were going really well. Like, you know, that was before we moved to New York. I felt like I was for the first time where I was at a place where like, I wasn't worrying about money, worrying about rent, like everything was fine. 
Like we were, you know, th- things were good. But just kept saying, we should move to LA. We should move to LA. And I'm like, why well, ruin this? She was like, well, we haven't, like, this is not going to last forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to start, use this opportunity to go out and start to conquer another and work in another market. We could always come back to New York. Like, these events and gigs will always still be here, you know, if we're still doing that thing. So, you know, she convinced, once we started living in, uh, getting, once we had that place in LA and started living there, I was like, okay, cool. This I could see this working. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I saw, like, one oak had opened up. Avenue was about to open up. Like, I saw, like, how things were moving. I was like, okay, cool. Let's just stay. Also, I didn't want to pay rent twice. <laughs> did, when you moved to LA and, and then did you, did you feel like you had to move different a little bit? Like, you know, like networking was a little bit different and like, even, I mean, obviously DJing was a little bit different, you know, things to close at 2 AM. Yeah. It's a little, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. Like when I finally, we finally left New York for good. Yeah. It was tough because like what Avenue, Avenue in New York is not flying you back to DJ. One, like those, those are a lot of my gigs. You know, I was still doing, I did some events, but like a lot of my gigs were club, local club gigs. So like, I'd have to fly in town for a reason for me to be DJing there. So like a lot of times I would just be out here just figuring it out. Like I have, I did a couple events. What am I doing for the rest of the rest of the month? Right. So, it's, um, it's, hard. It's, yeah. it's hard too. Cause like, even though you're kind of moving forward, you still like have an identity with these older clubs. So when you see other dudes like running through those clubs, you're just like, damn, man, I like, I used to have those nights. Those are my nights. Yeah. Yeah. I realized that the, the, like, again, you saw the rates starting to kind of be, get kind of weird over in New York. I felt like that was the time when rates started like falling a little bit in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but then being out here, it was different. It was, it was hard because again, I'm, coming i'm here fresh like new like the guys out there who have been established for a while who have relationships with these clubs and these these different even these different events so you gotta like start to like you know cater foster new relationships which is is always tough you know you gotta you know get that 21 year old energy and be out in the club every night and be out every night you know so um but yeah and again so what you was talking about um crooked about the hustle out here it's a little different you gotta like People are like a little, a lot more laid back, not as aggressive, not saying they're not as aggressive, but like a little more laid back. It's more like, let's have drinks. Let's go to the beach. Like, let's chill. Like, you know, before you actually like start talking business, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you feel like you're not getting anywhere with those meetings. Like, yeah, let's have lunch. Exactly. And it's very stagnant, very slow moving. Yeah. I remember I went to this one company to have this dude's like, yo, let's have, let's have like a, a lunch meeting or grab coffee or whatever. So I went to the office. He's like, all right, cool. I'll be, I'll be there in a second. And he, um, he came with like four of his boys and we're sitting down eating sushi and they're just talking shit. And I was like, all right, let's, so what y'all doing this, this month was going, he's like, yo, chill, let's just, you know, let's just eat, let's relax. And I was just like, yo, dude, this is like, it's like, it's like two o'clock on a Monday. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> I'll act like this is Friday afternoon. I know. I, like, that's I, kind of know, how they. Motherfuckers in LA love having meetings, man. They love having oh lunch. God. I go to LA and I have like three lunch meetings and I'm just like, yo, like, they're like, yeah, let's meet uh, like in two days. I'm like, yo, like, n- like nothing's moving forward. Like we're just meeting. Yeah, let's sit down at Soul House and let's yeah, like, let's let's get some of this shit done. But it's just like I would go to these meetings and it'd just be like politicking, talking about what we could do. And then the second meeting, it's like yeah. it never really goes nowhere. Sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, but I, but again, the thing about LA again, it's it's people out here are like real friends. Like it's it's some real friendship, you know. Like so. 
a lot of relationships over time you just develop and like if you're dope and i guess in the right places like people will start booking you because like again it's very similar to new york like if you're out there at the right spots killing it i think also doing us doing a party ourselves and being able to invite clients out invite people out that helps a lot because you get to control the kind of music you're playing so it's more geared toward events i think that helps um yeah, and then that New York hustle again, that also helps, you know. Like I like that's how we got the Oscars. That's a, wait, wait. You so know, ex- when, explain yeah, this yeah. because there was a certain like how, you how how many you guys were doing the Oscars like year after year, like Yeah, like, we did it like yeah, six years. Six a years in a row, right? right. What well, how how did that yeah. happen? Cuz I was I was like so happy for you guys and you guys would do these recap videos and I'm like, "Wow, that looks like crazy." Like it just looks that was a weird that story is really like that's some like weird fate shit like we were sitting watching the oscars one in, in, in our living room and i remember she was like came to me she's like who djs the after party for the oscars and i'm like i don't know what, what's the what part what party do they do they do besides vanity vanity fair so we went on instagram found out solange was djing i'm like all right somebody somebody book solange let's let's figure out who so i told her i was like i'm gonna figure this out in the next like month or two trust me <laughs> then the next night mike muse a good friend from new york he was out here rented a house in the, in the hills and he was throwing a party so he said yo come by to the party i want you to meet some people so i'm at the party first person i meet is this young kid you know he's a rapper blah 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 we having a conversation i'm like so what do you do besides you know music he's like well i'm the assistant to the president of the oscars at the academy <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I'm like, yo, me and my wife were just talking about the Oscars. We're like, we saw Solange DJ. He's like, I'm the one who uh, suggested she DJ. Holy shit. I was like, okay, we're going to be best friends then, huh? This is so, this is so, so, yeah, so, this, is so this is so Hollywood, yo. This is, <laughs> yo, no, this is so, yeah, this not Hollywood. This, this is only happened. This is it's not what you know. It's not what you know. It's who you know. So we, um, but anyway, so we ended up, me and him ended up exchanging information. And inviting him, but he's you know young kid like he's like us like likes to have a good time but like so ended ended up inviting him out to parties my kiss um you know so we and him like and his friends we hung out all year so then once the academy awards started coming coming around like we sent him our press information just to send to them he's like yo i'm gonna try to get you guys in and i remember they were trying to book calvin harris i remember uh that was the year that was the oscar so white thing happened you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that so like i remember i was like this is perfect and i <laughs> told him like yo you need position like this man you can't you know what i'm saying wait, so wait, like wait. what year was this the, the was this the jada pinkett smith shit when this might have been so. that might have been that year i think, I think so Rock yeah. hosted that year oh yeah they God. didn't want chris rock to host it a lot yeah. of black entertainers right. was like, that was the year that was the year yeah that yeah. was the year chris yeah they didn't want chris to host it mm-hmm. um because there were no black yeah there's no people of color yeah. nominated for like yeah jada was upset power. because because well they get, didn't get nominated for um collat no not collat- I'm gonna say collateral <laughs> 2016. <laughs> I do not play around. <laughs> See, I, I would have sold it like, yo, you have a like a crooked and kiss. It would have been an Asian and a and a black couple. It would have been perfect. <laughs> Go ahead. But, uh, yeah, so we ended up, uh, yeah, so they ended up booking us for the after party. And, you know, 
once we started playing, yeah, like they just the energy and like you know we brought where we are with people like they liked liked our energy and stuff. So they um, ended up booking us again the probably, next year. Probably one of the few times they had like a really good DJ actually doing the event. Well, so, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They never repeat. They've never booked a DJ twice before. So they ended up booking us like every year. Then we started doing. Then they realized they wanted music at other events. We started doing like the Governor's Awards, um, other other events at the Academy, and then Amazing. they eventually wanted us to DJ on the red carpet. So now we play. They set up a DJ booth for us on the red carpet. So we play while people are walking in, mm-hmm. and then we go to the show. And then we kind of, you know, what I mean, you got a TV show coming out, right? We're working on it. It's uh, it's in development. So um, during COVID, like when I was live streaming, uh, this dude was in my chat all the time talking about like, yo, we need to talk. I want to do a mo- I want to do I want to talk to you about like some TV opportunities. So hit him up and he 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 wanted to do a DJ show. So Kiss and I had been talking about doing this for years. Like we've been approached by a reality show producers. We actually shot a pilot for NBC. We were in New York at one point. Um, but I never wanted to do reality because I just saw how those relationships were kind of, you know, put yeah, together. And I'm kind of I'm kind of shocked you guys never did a reality show. I would have. I think you would have guys would have been perfect for a reality show. Yeah, they want us for a couple. Yeah, they've they've been there asking us for years, and then we shot it actually a pilot for NBC was doing a reality series. What and was what was the again, reality series? What was it? I forget what it was like. Married couples, but like you know, black married couples. So or married couples who were like, I remember the first the other couple was Amari Stoudemire and his wife, mm-hmm. and Amari Stoudemire was um is you know convert is Jewish. So it's kind of the dynamic of him being Jewish. I guess that his wife not or something like that. I think that's what it was. But um, so they were shooting us. And I remember like during like we shot all day and like they had us, we started drinking and then me and Kiss got into like a little bit of an argument. They're like, okay, cool. Let's play that up a little bit. And I was like, all right, that's it. We're done. I'm good. I don't want to be on camera. Like I don't want you guys to kind of cause problems with my relationship. You know what I mean? Oh, so like, I think that's the, so. Wait, they're there and they're like instigating it more. Like they, they not want. instigating. Like you're there all day and like you know, you know, you start you know pouring drink. You know, you're on camera. You're like you're supposed to act natural, but you know everyone starts to drink a little bit and then next thing you know, me and Kiss got into like a little bit of an argument. Nothing, nothing crazy. It was like something over like a bowl in the sink or something stupid. But they were like, "Yo, okay, cool. Can we can we do that again?" But like, I need you guys to like. I was like, "Okay, I see how this." <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I felt like, you know, that's what reality is about. It's about conflict. You know, if you don't have a script, what is there to, what is there? What, what, why are you watching? Oh, so you dead it, huh? They want to see drama. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's what most good shows have. Like if they're scripted, there's a drama. There's like some kind of conflict, then a yeah. resolution, whatever. Okay. So, um, so anyway, so we just, when we moved to LA, we were like, again, thinking about doing like a scripted show or a movie. So we ended up writing a, um, uh, a treatment during COVID. We wrote this treatment for a show. We kind of kind of made it kind of like a power meets like love and basketball kind of situation. Um, and uh, yeah, we got a copy written and then we started approaching um, studios. So we sat down with um, Will Smith's company with um, Westbrook, Lena Waits company. We sat down with um, Flavor Unit, Queen Latifah's people, mm. and then this guy that we, um, Landmark Productions, and Landmark kind of gave us the kind of best situation. And uh, yeah, we start, so we, it's in development right now. We uh, found some writers, they're about to start writing the pilot, and then we're gonna pitch it to a bunch of different networks and see what happens. So it's, it's a long yeah. process, huh? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a long process. I mean, like the process of just getting the deals done with between the writers, just finding a writer. That's that was the kind of like a long process. But finally, we found like these pe- these two girls that we two women that we that we really love. Yeah, I think again, it's it's it, the whole premise is about you know me and Kiss, how me and Kiss met, and like so it takes place in like New York mid two thousands, like our era. Mm-hmm. So like when nightlife was popping in New York, am I am I in it? Am I in it? <laughs> you're an actor, an Asian actor to play crooked. Yo, you, you ever that, seen that movie? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yo, you ever seen that movie Ice Age? The, the little squirrel that pulls the, egg, the acorn <laughs> and it, everything happens. You're yeah. that dude in the relationship. You said no to her, and look what you look what happened. They're at the Oscars, you got a movie. Exactly. Listen, show. if I'm in the movie, just don't cast the guy who was playing Boogie from that Eddie Huang movie. Don't do that guy. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're gonna go get that TikTok chef that looks like you instead. I bet chef. it. I better be in the show. I better be in the show, MOS. I better see an Asian guy. We're definitely have. There are definitely people in there that represent certain individuals in our lives. So, yeah. oh man, I can't wait now, to see Unique and Kiki if you do it. I want to see. Yeah, that. it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. So again, it's um, yeah. So we, they, right now they're just writing it, and yeah, it takes place in New York, like early mid two thousands. I mean, that's when New York was popping. That's when like the scene was kind of dope, and I think that like all the storylines that go along with like you know nightlife, and I mean, it was before people were really getting like W twos at clubs. You're getting paid cash. So you it's think so about days. <laughs> yeah, so just think about like a power, like there are different storylines that are kind of inter- intertwined into us being, and coming from the, the, the perspective of these two up and coming young DJs who just met and falling in love kind of situation. Is there a title for the series or anything? Um, tentative title is Heartbeat. Ooh. Okay. Which I like, but we'll see. You know, again, these, again, they're still writing the, writing the pilot. They're beginning to start, just starting to write the pilot. So, so. was it going to be like 10 episodes? I don't know yet. I think we we planned it to be about ten. You I, know, I mean, it's not wrote like we wrote like basically like three seasons worth of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. damn, yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah, we sat and wrote it ourselves. It was interesting. It was fun though, just going through and remembering all the all the crazy shit, all the crazy shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Will you will you have a say in who's gonna play you? I guess we we put in suggestions. Just put in suggestions for herself. I think, and I'm. Kind you, of who you suggested for you? Yeah, I want to know that. <laughs> well, I like you know the dude who played uh the dude who plays uh the dude plays Raekwon in uh the in the Wu Tang series. He's yeah, really he's really good. He and he the, does the voice for um Spider Man, the Spider Man universe, right? Yeah, he plays Miles Morales. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. Morales. Yeah, and then there's the dude, also the dude who plays RZA in in the Wu Tang series. I like him as well. You know, oh, I know who you're talking about. I, I, <laughs> I, I just like the way he plays Visit in that show. Well, Shamik Moore. Shamik Moore. Shamik Moore is the guy there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the guy that played Visit, I'm like, he overdoes it. Yo, 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 yo. You know, you know, Visit don't sound like that. <laughs> he reminds me of like the actor from Strapped. What the, what's that motherfucker's name? Bokeem Woodbine. Bokeem. Yeah, he's like the the 2020 <laughs> version of Bokeem Woodbine. Where like, they, like, the motherfucker talks a little weird, right? Like he just talks, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. a little slow and like very New York, but it's like mm-hmm. it's super slow. Yeah, yeah. he's a new bookie would buy. I like. Wait, wait. So who does Kiss? Who does Kiss want to play her? I forget the name of the actress. I forget her name is. Um, I gotta, I gotta look this girl's name up. She's she's new though. She's um Ryan Destiny. I think Ryan Destiny. That's her name. Ryan. Oh, she was in the show Star, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think she wanted, she was looking at Ryan Destiny. But again, we're we're so early in it right now. We haven't even like reached out to anybody yet. So mm-hmm. and again, I'm I mean, I watch a lot of TV, watch a lot of movies and stuff, but I'm not I don't know everybody's name. You know, so it's kind of tough. And then trying to cast somebody for yourself, it's just I don't know. I wait, I can't Funny. wait to see all of this shit in the TV show, including my cameo. Yeah. Let me know. <laughs> <You stupid>. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. Damn, you getting all Hollywood, man. Doing Oscars. You doing nah, like, TV shows? Do movie. You got your own TV show. You know what I'm saying? Nah. I, I got I'm a not qu- gonna be on top. I got a question. There's like a certain like the top tier celebrity DJs would be like MOS and Kiss, right? You and Kiss. It would be like D Nice and what Cassidy, right? Am I yeah. missing anyone else? Maybe, Maybe Cla- Quest Love. Questlove, Questlove, DJ Tendaji, Tendaji Lathan, Tendaji, and Clark Kent. Once in a while, he might be thrown yeah, to the mix, right? Stuff, yeah. Do you guys do you guys compete for that shit a little bit? Um, yeah, yes and no. Was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, MOS, thank you for keeping it honest. I'll be I'll be honest with you because like I feel like if you get something like Cassidy and D Nice are kind of like, well, how come I didn't get that? You know what I mean? Not <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it's you so know? much how, like, no real talk I think yeah definitely there's competition when you know things are coming up you know that like I right, certain people are going to be working you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah and then there's clients that book certain people like I knew that when Puff was doing his 50th I knew casting D nights were going to be DJing in some capacity mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and I was like well I'm have to be DJing in some capacity I'm not going to allow this to go by not me not do it um but yeah, we do compete at some point. Like I remember, um, yo, I was look I, on for real talk. I was booked to do, I was supposed to DJ Jay Z's um, Oscar after party. I was literally like, I was literally given the assurance like this is happening, and I ended up not doing it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And well, like again, it's not my it's not my decision. I don't work at you know. Who, who wound up doing it? It was uh, Questlove, D Nice, I think Clark Kent, I think Black Coffee did it too. Oh okay. Mm. Yeah. He's done two. So, like, I remember the first year, I forget what happened. I think I couldn't do it. And then the second year, we're supposed to do it. And then it just kind of just didn't happen. In, in those situations, do you leave it up to management or do you really go out of your way to kind of? I mean, listen, you know, you kind of try to push the whole situation along as much as you can. Yeah. But, you know, and I, again, I did this when I was DJing clubs. Like, I don't I'm not trying to undercut people. I'm not trying to talk much. I'm not out here trying to badmouth people at all. Like, that's just not my style. So, like, you know, I want people just to book me off my merit. So, like, if I don't get it, I don't, I f- I'm not salty about it. I mean, I feel like, fuck, I would love to have done it. Shit, that would have been dope if I did it. But, like, you know, they decide not to, shoot, not to pick me. You know what I mean? You can't really mm-hmm. do anything about that except for, like, just go back and try again. You know? I mean, you, yo, you definitely feel a certain way about it, though. No, you you seem like you got a really thick skin, and you really like, you know what I'm saying. You you always just yeah, keep pushing same. it along, like even with like you know, even uh, you know with Kiss and your early career, and just pushing it along, and even with these like celebrity events and competing with you know like people like Cassidy and D Nice. I'd be 100% intimidated. I'd be like, you know what I mean? I just, yeah, I just, you know, I'm used to, because I'm used to getting, I'm used to hearing no. Like I've been, I, w- I always say this, everybody who's bo- who books me now has told me no at some point. Mm. Like everybody. From Taru to Richie Kiva to everybody's said, nah, I'm good. To live, you know, right? <laughs> to live to every, even David DeGraff, when I approached him to manage me, when I first started out, was like, nah, I'm good. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like again, for me, it's like you know, it's a no now. Like I don't get, I don't, I don't get. Yeah, again, I just don't, I don't get offended easily. Like I just look at it as a challenge. And you don't give up. You just like. Yeah, exactly. Like that's how that's how you lose. Like once you give up, you've lost. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and I don't, I'm trying not to be annoying about it. Like back in the day, I'd be showing up to the club every week and asking every week. But like, there's a way to do it. Like you just be around, do your thing, be in the scene, be in the mix. Eventually, the opportunity is gonna come, and just be ready for it. That's it. You never know. So like, I, I again, I always just try to like stay prepared. Keep even with live streaming. That was another thing. Like I remember when. People like hit me up and like, yo, should buy a live stream? I don't know. It seems like D Nice is like kind of like doing his thing and you can't really compete with that. I'm like, why are you even trying to compete with that? Just be number two. Be number three. There's nothing wrong with being the third, like the third hottest person on live. You know what I mean? Like you're not gonna get a million followers. That's just a once in a lifetime situation. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. The one thing I am kind of salty about is not DJing at the White House. <laughs> oh, you know we did an Obama event at the White House? Yeah, we did. We- a couple, we did. I did a couple of Obama events, but I'd never actually DJed at the White House, oh, which is what I, was really, I really wanted to do. But we're like, we have eight years, and like, we just didn't make it happen. You have a great picture with Obama. <laughs> yeah, of, of a friend of mine, a client of mine. Um, she, uh, it was so weird. Like, she, uh, this family, the uh, the Red, the Lewis family, they're one of the biggest DNC donors. I ended up doing a, a parties for them, like doing like the, you know the daughter's birthday party and like events at the crib. In Hampton. So apparently they were they had Obama come and speak to a like a they did a donor dinner at their house in an apartment in New York. It was the same night as the Met Gala. And it's they are literally around the corner from the Met from the Met. So like the whole area shut down for Obama and the and the Met. So I get there and they gave me a seat. So I got a chance to sit down and have dinner with these people. So I'm like sitting with like 40 DNC donors and me and my boy Mike Muse. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? And like seriously, like the fucking president came up and like got, sat and was in front of the table, made a speech, took questions and shit. I was like, "Is this how it works?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit!" The president for real came to the came to their apartment for dinner and yeah. then took pictures with everybody. He was mad cool. Like it was dope. You, you I, yeah, I know this is a dumb question and stuff, or like a dumb statement and shit. But I think one of the most uncomfortable things is DJing in a suit, and you constantly have to DJ in a fucking suit, right? <laughs> so this that's the worst. I, I started doing, <laughs> in the beginning. She used to always wear those 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 suit jackets. <laughs> no, but, it, but the thing is, like, as you get as like, yo, I forgot what year it was, but you just started getting more brolic, right? <laughs> yes, I worked. You started working out a lot, so you be in the suits, and yo, you just look like you was gonna like destroy the fucking suit when you're DJing, like when you. <laughs> When you I what, sweat coming out of here and like yo, terrible. I look yo, by the end of the night, I would look terrible. So I was like, I'm just wearing t-shirts, and so I just wear I wear a t-shirt everywhere. Oh, for real? You stop the suits and shit. I mean, if I'm doing like again, like Oscars, like events like that, yeah. you know. Didn't Vanity Fair name you the best dressed um DJ? Like I was, it was one of the ten ten best dressed. Which I don't know how that happened. I, I have uh-huh. no idea. <laughs> but oh, I, I ride that. <laughs> oh shit what year was that what year was that I want to know what year that was that might be the cover of the fucking it was like, it was, like it, was a fucking it was a bunch of people it was like Daft Punk I think Damon DeGraff was in there too so I, I think Damon had something to do with that <laughs> he's like yo put it on my ass motherfuckers was looking fly it was, the other it was 2013 
20 yeah, I remember Survey, Survey, DJ Survey used to have a silver jacket that was like crazy dope. And I was like, yo, where'd you get that done? He's like, yo, I can get one done for you. So he made one for me. Mm. And I ended up with, I used to wear that all the time. So they have a picture of me in this in this weird silver jacket, suit jacket. God damn, shout to Cerebe. Uh, I haven't spoken to him in so long, man. I told him we on we're in a group chat together. We're on like a like a finance group chat, crypto group chat or something. Oh, for real? Yeah. Yo, do you know artistic in LA? Yeah, yeah. I saw him like literally last week. That's all me. I feel like y'all motherfuckers should start a party. I think Yeah, he's dope. He's really dope. We're doing um again, we're doing this thing Wednesdays, uh, but I do it with Tendaji, but artistic guest DJs all the time. Mm. So feel- Cherry Pop has been going on for like eleven years. It's kind of similar to what we were doing in New York. So I guess DJ once in a while and like I told Tendaji, let's let's partner up. Yeah. Some, you know. Cause I feel like you bring that East Coast energy and him, he's like a he has so many songs from the West and down south. Yeah, he's good. And plus I'm, y'all are both kind of tapped into like the Hollywood market. I feel mm. like it's a really good marriage. Like that's you know what I mean? Like you guys spinning yeah. together and, and you throw kids in there. Oh my god. Yeah, I feel I, like I never that, but I, yeah, that's a good idea. Because you guys, you know, like you guys are tapped in, and you guys have him. He's so uber West Coast and down South. You're East Coast, and then Kiss has, you know, she's down South, and you guys have all this amazing musical catalog with R&B classics and everything. It would just be where you guys can just literally spin whatever the fuck you guys want. Yeah, and then and he's, like, he's like a young, a little, like a a, gen, a younger generation. So like slightly, like, yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like that would be amazing because uh, yeah, man, I think uh, that'd be dope. It's not that idea. I'll yeah. give you get you get a percentage of the of the door. <laughs> <laughs> just put me in the TV show. I want to be in the t- maybe I pay I myself. It. I just come up, you know. But listen, we need we need some cameos, man. Let's keep it authentic. <laughs> you gotta you gotta pull the Yankee cap back out, back out. Yeah, pull the Yankee cap. My t-shirt, I, you know, or maybe it'll be like on like on a Tuesday when we would go and pick up our checks and shit, you know. Stop yeah, you have like a jersey on. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Yo, is there anything else we want to touch on um, that we didn't speak on? We I didn't? think that's it, man. I think, I think we covered it. everything. Yeah, man, I I got to give it to you because no matter what, whenever I see you, you always put yourself in uncomfortable positions, like pause in like situations, and yeah. you never like. You never veer and you never never let fear get in the way or, you know, or, you know, any anything. You don't really like you stay really headstrong about shit, man. And uh, yeah. and I've seen it through your career, your, how consistent you've been and how much you've grown, man. You know, because we came up around the same era, but you and I took very different paths, you know. Um, That's and, a killing with the podcast, man. Like, I mean, I'm about to, I'm like literally trying to I'm about to start a podcast myself now. Like, <laughs> nah. No, but I, I I I love seeing. I always love Kiss, you know, and I love and uh, and I got so much respect for you, and uh, you know, just seeing y'all kill it, it, it really makes me happy, and seeing y'all continue to to do y'all thing and shit. It's so I'm I'm really I wanted to get y'all both here, um, but I guess we'll we'll split it up. We'll talk to you know we'll talk to, we'll definitely talk to Kiss. Yeah, on the flip during side. that time we were like, shit was like crazy. And when I come to Vegas, the Vegas was like a blur. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time I land to the time I leave, I was like, I was just not in my right mind. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> it happens. It happens a lot, man. I mean, well, hopefully I see you again, man. It was good seeing you. Yeah. And thank you, thank you for coming through, man. We've been wanting you on the podcast for a minute and shit. Yeah, let's yeah, do it again sure. whenever. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Man. Let's do it, let's man. Do it. Yo, MOS, thank you, man. Yo, appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate y'all, man. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you, bro. Stoke. Thanks for tuning into the Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash roadpodcast. And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash DJ City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.